Well, good morning and welcome to Spruce Grove Community Church. I just want to read a passage to start us. It comes from the book of Psalms 113, and it says this. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord for this time forth and forever. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations. His glory is above the heavens. So this morning as we come into the house of the Lord, we know his name is to be praised and he is worthy of that praise. So let's just pray. Father God, this morning we are thankful that we can come into this house and we can worship you because you are king, because you are Lord. And so, Father, we choose to do that today in Jesus' name. Let's worship him this morning. So just as we're about to continue, I want to read some verses from Ephesians. As we were in the prayer meeting before the service, I begin to feel the beauty and the immensity of the mystery of God that he is making known to us the mystery of his will. And Ephesians later on, he talks about you who were without God and without hope in the world. Without God and without hope, he has brought into, he has brought into the covenant. But this is what he says in Ephesians chapter 1. He says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. And even, even in that, there's this amazing, beautiful fullness that forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. So, Father, we pray, Lord, let us know the riches of your grace. Lord, what is, what are, what is the treasure that is in the riches of your grace? And he goes on to say, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and imprudence having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. I can't preach right now about this, but there is a wisdom, there is a mystery, there is a richness in the grace of God. There is reams and reams of information which he's wanting to make known to us about the mystery of his will. We're not meant to be like dogs in our homes who know very little about what's going on, what makes the house work. He wants us to know how the kingdom works. We've been called and brought in to the core part of this plan for eternity, for creation. And you say, listen, my sons and my daughters, it's for you to know the things that have been hid from others. So Lord, we say today, as we worship you, open up the eyes of our understanding that we may see the riches of the grace that has been poured out to us in Christ. When you brought us from being separate, from being without God, without hope in the world, you brought us into a central place to be joint heirs with your Son. Oh, God, clothe us with the glory of knowledge that has been hid in the mystery of Christ today. We pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. 
All right, let's lean into him this morning. You know, when we're worshiping, we're not just singing a series of songs. We're actually interacting with something that's real. It's like a combination lock. It's not a ritual to push the buttons. The buttons or the dial is turned in order to engage something, that something would happen. Worship in spirit and in truth involves an interaction between earth and heaven that caused something happen in heaven in order that something happens on earth. And so the old idea of, well, we just need to sing it three times and go to the next song, and then we sing that three times and go to the next song. If it was just a ritual, then that's fine. But spiritual things are much more concrete. And there was a king of Israel when the prophet told him at one point, he said, take these arrows and strike the ground. He thought it was a ritual. And so he just sort of tapped them, you know, out of rote obedience, and he stopped. And, and the prophet startled. He said, what are you doing? Why didn't you hit five or six times? I said, this was the arrows of the Lord's deliverance. He thought, well, I thought this was unconnected to anything in the real world. He said, if you had hit five or six times, you would have utterly destroyed the enemy. But because you only hit three times, you're only going to have three victories. We are trying to discover in worship that there is a real interaction between earth and heaven. And worship is not a ritual. It's not a prescription of liturgy. It is an active interaction between heaven and earth that releases what is in heaven on the earth. So, Father, make out of us a people who understand that you are seeking to release resources, angelic beings, anointings, a presence, a glory from heaven to the earth. And we are here, God, as the dialing hands of that combination lock to see the gates opened and see heaven come down to the earth. Make it real to every single one of us, God. Make it real to every single one of us that the kingdom of heaven is in our hands and in our mouth. We love you so much. Thank you, God, for this grace. So if it's not clear, if it's not clear what we're doing, it says in the scripture, it says that the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. And that means, just like the prophet and the king, what happens out there tomorrow and the next day is determined by what happens right here, right now. The things that are going to come up against your life three days from now, four days from now, five days from now, can be dealt with in the spirit right now. The enemy that's against your soul, who's plotting for your destruction, who's looking to steal, kill, and destroy, you can set those plans Uh, In array, you can nullify them today. And that's why Drew came and began to dance that way. Because he's got things in his life and he's he's putting action to it. God is going to crush Satan under my feet today. And so don't be passive. Don't just watch. Don't just think of this as ritual or liturgy. But the reality of the victory of tomorrow is being fashioned right here, right now, today. So, Father, we say in the name of Jesus, open wide the gate of heaven.
open wide and let heaven come down to earth. Let your kingdom come and let your will be done. And we say, Lord, let lightning go out from the presence of the Lord and shatter all all the works, every chain, every chain. And anybody that we're praying for right now, anybody you're believing for right now, let lightning come to their life. Let freedom come to their life. Let deliverance come to their life. If you're thinking of somebody right now, just send their name. Just put their name before heaven right now. God, your kingdom come, your will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done. I know that some of this might be strange to some of you, but we need to see that this is the biblical pattern. You know, when Moses was standing on the mountain overlooking Israel fighting, as he lifted his hands, the battle went. They advanced when his, when his hands were in the air worshiping, and when they were down, the people of Israel were destroyed. That means people were being killed. Israel was losing or winning, not based on the skill, not based on their swordsmanship, not based on their weaponry on the field, but because of worship on the hill overlooking. We have to begin to move out of the place where these things are theoretical and enigmatic sort of spiritual necessities, but they are actually the dynamics of the increase of the kingdom of God. So, Lord, we want to hear the sound of the lion of the tribe of Judah. We want to hear the roar and the sound of the walking of the lion of the tribe of Judah in our midst. Lord... Come to Canada. Come to Canada. Come, 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 come to Canada. Come, come, come to Canada. Come to Canada. Come to Canada. Canada. Let the roar of the Lion of Judah be heard over the nation over the nation over the nation let the shout of the king be heard now but what if your faith determined the the level of the manifestation of God in Canada? What if it wasn't determined by some decision that was just made in heaven? What if the Bible is actually true and it said, if two agree on earth touching anything, it'll be done? I mean, this is the reality what God is trying to bring us into is that the headquarters for the kingdom of God and its increase and the administration of the increase of God on earth is not in heaven, it's on earth. He said, if you, if you, if you, if you believe, if you declare, if you speak, if you agree, if you pray, if you repent, if you, all the ifs are on earth, all of them, every single one of them. And so it is in our hands to change the atmosphere of our nation. So we're going to sing this again. 
And Ezra is saying, you know, there's, there's no God like you. There's none like any other. I want you to see the angels picture the advance of the angels of heaven being released. The administration of God being sent, angels being sent across this land to politicians, to religious leaders, to, to imams, to the unsaved, to your children. That the Holy Spirit would come. And I know somebody just thought, you know, well, what do you mean sending angels? Wait, do we have authority to send angels? The word of the Lord sends angels, and the word of the Lord is in your mouth. The word of the Lord sends angels. Angels hasten to do what the word of the Lord says, and the word of the Lord is in your mouth. So, Lord, you said, let pray this way. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And inasmuch as we can pray that with faith, then the resources to that are dispatched. The resources for that is dispatched. He said, make my house a house of prayer. So, you know, we are praying for these things to happen right now. So we're not just waiting for a sermon. Release your faith. God, we want, we want your kingdom to come. We want alignment to come on earth. We want alignment to come on earth. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, we lean into you this morning. Holy Spirit, we lead into you this morning that you would open the eyes of our understanding that we could see what you have brought us into. Oh, God, Holy Spirit, we ask that you open our eyes that we would see what it is you have brought us into. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. And I know we've prayed that kind of prayer before. But we need to understand what it is we're asking. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. That when he comes with power, there's no room for the flesh. When he comes with power, there's no room for pride. When he comes with power, there's no room for compromise. So we say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Can you just say that to him in your own way, with your own words, in your own cadence? Holy Spirit, teach me. Open my eyes. Let me see the reality of authority in your name. Let me see the sureness of the invisible. I almost feel like there's still prophetic songs in the air. And so I don't want to I don't want to move us along prematurely because there are things the Holy Spirit wants to sing in the room. To sing over you. To sing over the land. This morning we're going to have Kim Wheeler sharing with us some things. He's just returned from Guatemala. He's got some testimonies and some reports of the tragedy that just happened there, but he also has a word of faith. You know, I I think sometimes we're so confined to our lives that we don't, we don't, we're not really sure if any of the things that we do matter. But I just read a prophetic word yesterday, and I believe it's happening right now. It has to do with the United States, but it has to do with the monumental shift that's happening politically in the legislative system, in, a, in all the branches of the American government. 
But the vision that this prophet had had to do with the White House and God establishing a new White House. And I believe, I believe with all my heart that the light is brighter today than it's ever been. I believe that there's more of the kingdom of God happening right now. I believe the experience of your life right now is many times greater than the experience of the believers who came before us. That every time we give a testimony of the greatness of God, it's always in contrast to what we experienced before. And there is no constant measure throughout, uh, throughout history. All we have is the, the language of relativity, you know, of more. I experienced more of God than I ever did before. And it was awesome and it was great. I believe that there's more of the light of God and the knowledge of the glory of God on the earth right now than there's ever been. Let me say that again. There is more the knowledge of the glory of God on earth right now than there has ever been. Well, how do you know that? Because the Word of God says in John, 1 John, that the true light is already shining and the darkness is passing away. And it says in Isaiah 9, it says that the increase of his government, there will be no end. Of the increase of his government, there will be no end. And you think, well, what about Rwanda? What about this? What about those other tragedies and, and, uh, you know, these seemingly peaks of darkness? No, we're just flushing out the corners. Come on. We're just mopping up. We're just flushing out the corners. We never realized how dark the darkness really was. But when, we, when the light pushes it out into the open, it's a surprise for us, but it's not a surprise for God. Do you believe that? Yes. I, I think we spend too much time watching the news. This is the reality. This is our faith. This is what is happening. Do you know years ago you used to count in a city the size of Edmonton on one hand the number of people that were baptized in the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues? You can count be less, five or less than a city of a million people across the United States. I don't even know if back then there was a million people in a city in Canada, but five people. Now, you hardly find a row in here without five people that are baptized in the Holy Spirit. What is that? It means more. There's more now than there has ever been. This generation has a revelation knowledge of God greater than any other generation before. En masse. Maybe not as individuals. You might not have a greater revelation than the apostle, but the accumulated total of your revelation is greater than any other generation of the church. Hallelujah. There has never been a brighter day. I think some of us don't really believe that. So, Father, we say, bring us out of the trials of the day Bring us out of the training and the, 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 the bearing of our own crosses that you are bringing us through to see the bigger picture. God, you are training us and you are bringing things to an end and you are dealing with sin and you are dealing with pride and you are dealing with our lack of faith. But Lord, that does not determine what you are doing presently around the earth. That more people are being saved every single day than at any other time in history. God, thank you for the increase of light. In Jesus' name, amen. Kim, so honored to have an evangelist, a missionary come up and share now. We love you. Amen. Thank you. Oh, it's great to be back again. We have had a uh, very challenging last couple weeks, especially the last week. So I don't know if all of you have known, but we had a major catastrophe in Guatemala. Last Sunday, right about this time, or 
one or two hours after that. But it uh, created um, a lot of disaster and, and tragedy. I'll share a bit of that. Everyone likes a good tragic story, don't they? Nothing, nothing like that to get you really, your blood flowing. I'm not joking. You know, it's what you want to get the church of God in unity. Give them a good disaster. That's when they rise up to the occasion more than any other time, because that's when the light shines when it's the darkest. Uh, you know, the they're calling the day of a, of Sunday the day without color. Literally, because everything went gray. If you look at all the photos, it looks like it's been um, touched or changed. Everything's gray. Everything. And then you'll see people walking, and you see all these colors. It looks like they were they were changed on the computer or something. But that's the way it was. Everything, the whole terrain is just gray because of the millions of cubic uh, meters of the ash that has fallen, which kills everything when it falls. So anyway, I'll share a bit of that after. I want to share a little message the Lord gave me a while back that, that just kind of waiting, and it just seemed to fit so perfectly at the same time with all what's going on and what Pastor Mark was just sharing this morning, too. Fits in just so perfectly. God always seems to have an understanding, and He knows the beginning from the end when it comes to that. Amen. So I just want to ask you: just open your hearts and your ears um, to what the Lord has to say to you. This is an evangelistic message, but yet it isn't. But it has everything to do with evangelism. I don't know how you can. It's hard to describe it, but it's about the light of the world but in a different light than what you might have heard. The light of the world is what? Is who? Jesus. And now we are the light of the world. But I want to come at it from a slightly different point of view is, well, where does the light come from or how does the light get its energy or where does it get its source for it to flow? We all understand, you know, the light of the world, there's a light and you turn on a light, there's, there's light and we understand what that does. But how do we get the light? Where does the light, where does the energy come from, the source come from? So if we are the light of the world, how many agree with that? We. Everyone say we. We. Right? We can't escape that. If we are part of the kingdom of God, that is who we are. You can't escape that. And if you want to escape it, then you're no longer part of the kingdom. Because that's who we are when we have the Lord Jesus in our life. We are the light of the world. It doesn't say we have the light of the world. It says we are the light of the world. So that's what we have to understand. So, so I want to come from, it, from that point of view. You know, it's kind of, Mark actually shares on this theme all the time. He really does. Well, I know what Mark's going to preach on. The presence of God. In some theme or another, it's about the presence of God. We got to get into the presence, Mark, Right? And then, you know, sometimes repetition, you start thinking, you say, oh, this message again. Oh, not this again. But sometimes the repetition is a necessity so that we understand because it's like food. You can't just eat one meal and then you're good for the rest of the year. No, you got to, it's, it's re- repetitive because we need it. It's like I tell my wife I love her and she's beautiful every morning, every day. She's beautiful. Oh, you're so gorgeous, Lynn. How did I get a wife like you, you know? It doesn't work very well if you just tell her once a year on the anniversary because you have to, you know? It it doesn't work very well. But I find the reward is great when you share it every day. (laughs) Amen. Well, let's pray first. 
Father, we just give this time to you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you just as in the worship. We welcome you here. We open the door for you to come in and speak into our lives. We give you the authority and the permission to work through us, to speak to us. We surrender our will to you. We surrender our time to you. In the name of Jesus, amen. In uh, Revelation 3, in verse 18, it says, I counsel you to buy from me. Now, this is Jesus speaking, right? This is Jesus talking. And he says to the church, I, I counsel you, buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes that you may see. And then you go flip to Matthew chapter 25 and verse 1 to 9, and we hear this message or, or this part of Scripture all the time about the ten virgins. You know, and there's, there's so many angles you can share this message from. You know, the five wise, the five foolish. And so you can decide which category you're in, you know, and, uh, and it, pertaining to the church, right? So we hear those different things. And then, and then we hear about them sleeping, and we hear about them waking up. We hear about them having the oil and the lamp. Well, that's a little bit of what, what I want to touch on. But not so much on the, the oil, but where we get the oil. It says, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps. Anyone here have a lamp? Now, now remember this. This is such an important thing to remember. You are the light. In here... You're the lamp. All right? You are the lamp. It says five of them were foolish and five were wise. And when the foolish, for when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. And at midnight there was a cry. Here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. And then all the virgins rose up, trimmed their lamps. In other words, getting their light ready, right? Because this is the big day. And the foolish, they recognized something, they had a problem. They didn't have enough oil. They were running out. So, of course, this says, then all the virgins, says they, the foolish ones, they went to the wise and they said, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered saying, since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourself. The five virgins who ran out of oil wanted to receive oil from the other virgins without cost to themselves. They, wanted to, they just wanted to say, hey, we don't have any. Can I borrow some? Give me some of your oil. I see you've got enough. Give me some. But it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. This, is, this, this parable explains and shares something that's very important to us. Only Jesus has the right to give or sell what they needed. All the others are counterfeit and they're illegal. If you have someone else trying to sell you oil, or if you're receiving oil from someone else, it's illegitimate and it's counterfeit. And they don't have the right to give you the oil. It only comes from one source. It says this oil, and in Revelation 3, it talks about buying gold, buying salve, different analogies. 
It can only be bought from one person and in one place. You cannot find it in any store. You can't receive it from anyone else who has it. It can't be purchased with money. It can't be traded like another commodity. You can't say, hey, Mark, I need some of your oil. You know what? I've got, I've got this over here. Can you give me some of yours and I'll trade you? It can't be done. It's not allowed. Those who have it, you can't give it away. That's what it tells us. The five wise virgins says, no, I can't give you mine. You've got to go get your own and you've got to go buy it. It's going to cost you. They can only use it for their own lamps to shed light, to give light for others to find the way. They can show the way where the oil's from. It can be used by the one who has it to bring light, to help others, to anoint, but it can't be sold. And it can't be traded for other benefits. So you can't go online and say, I've got the anointing, and if you send me money, I'll, say, I'll give you some. Because it doesn't work that way. No matter how much we want to do it, we want to skip the part where we have to pay for it. That's what we do. We want to, we want to get rid of that and go right to the front of the line and not wait for it. As, as believers, many, that's what we do. That's what we try to do. And many, and, and I might hit some, some strong points here, come to church for that very reason. That we think we're going to find it right here, and it's the easy way out. It doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work that way. And it's not only doesn't work that way, it's illegal. According to the, the kingdom of God, it's not allowed. It says it's illegal to replicate or make synthetically. The penalty is very high. Where do we find that? So let's read. I want to read in Exodus chapter 30. Because that's, you know, the Old Testament is a blueprint that God gave us. Type and shadow of what, of, of what the kingdom of God is like. But what we operate in now today. Right? And it was a type and a shadow and a blueprint. So when God gave us the holy place and the Ark of the Covenant. And the, the tent of meeting and the Holy of Holies. It was all a replica of what he wanted to do in us and how it operates. Amen? It says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we, God gave us this blueprint to operate from. And so back in Exodus, it talks a little bit about this anointing oil. Listen to this. It says, you shall make of these a sacred anointing oil blended as by the perfumer. Only the perfumer is, is there's only one that can do it as well. There's not a whole group of them. And it says, With it you shall anoint the tent of meeting and the ark of the testimony and the table and all its utensils and the lampstand and its utensils and the altar of incense and the altar of burnt offerings. And with it, with all utensils and the basin and its stand, you shall consecrate them that they may be most holy. Whatever touches them will also become holy. You shall anoint Aaron as his sons and consecrate them, that they may serve me as priests. And you shall say to the people of Israel, This shall be my holy anointing oil throughout all generations. It shall not be poured on the body of an ordinary person. You shall make no other like it in composition. It is holy, and it shall be holy to you. Whoever compounds anything like it or whoever puts any of it on an outsider shall be cut off from his people. 
You'll be excommunicated. Wow, that's a high penalty if you want to try and duplicate it or get it from any other source. So this anointing oil is precious. It's so valuable. It's so precious and holy that whoever touches it and whatever it touches becomes holy. Marks, if he has the oil and someone says it touches, all of a sudden they become holy. Wow. That's pretty, that's pretty expensive. That's pretty rich. It's so powerful that if anyone touches what it has anointed, also becomes holy. I'm reminded of a story of the woman with the issue of blood. She touches Jesus' garment. If only I can touch his garment, the anointed one. And all of a sudden, she's healed. Virtue came out of Jesus, right? That's the oil that we're talking about. That's the value of it. That's the power of it. That if we have that oil, all it takes is someone to touch us and something happens. It's like when he says, you shall lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Why? Because we have the oil. If indeed we have it. It reminds me of the story of Jacob. How many remember the story of Jacob when he was, went and fell asleep and he had a dream and he saw the angels ascending and descending? They were ascending up to heaven and descending down from heaven to the earth. But it says they were ascending and descending from the throne room, from the presence of God. Right? And he recognized this is a holy place. This is a special place. And he, and he built an altar so that we never, ever forget it. And from that day on, Jacob was never the same. Hence, he recognized the place was holy, he built the altar, and then he anointed it. The oil is composed mostly of the purest olive oil, along with very costly, precious herbs and spices mixed with a very precise formula. And it's talked about in Exodus that you cannot change the formula whatsoever. It's right down to the absolute um, what's finer than a gram? A milligram, minigram, whatever you call them. It's, it's down to, it's so precise as they have to mix it exact. But the main component is olive oil. Extra virgin, I like that, virgin, olive oil. And I was looking, at, I was looking this up when I'm, when I'm studying some of this and looking this up. And I wanted to go to the source. Okay, well, there's something here about the olive oil. And we all understand olive oil is very pure, it's very precious. But I looked it up at a, one of the bigger vendors in the world of, of what they say about this extra virgin olive oil. Because that's the main substance to this oil, anointing oil. Now remember, this is just all type and shadow. I'll get to that in a minute. But li- listen to this quote uh, from the olive producer. And I'm quoting here. Here is a lesser known fact. Extra virgin olive oil is actually fresh-squeezed juice. Anyone ever heard that before? I never heard that before. And because it's fresh-squeezed juice, consequently, it is perishable. Didn't know that either. I thought it lasted forever or a long time. It says, unlike wine, extra virgin olive oil doesn't improve with age. It's for this reason and these reasons that we 
go to great lengths to ensure our oil stays as fresh as possible once we harvest and crush the olives. And it is meant to be used once bought and opened. It is not meant to be stored, and it's because it loses its value, it loses its, its savor, uses, it loses its, um, its purity as soon as it comes into contact with light and with oxygen. So they're saying, the moment you, you take it, you need to use it. That's what it's meant to be. Because it, it will lose its strength and its value and its flavor and its potency. So it's meant to be used once received. Where do we get this oil? Because this is really the, the key to it. There's only one place that we can get this oil from. And this is what's so important. You don't, you, now, 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 you don't get it from reading the Word of God. You don't get it from others. That's what, the, that's what that parable is all about. You can't go and buy it from Jim. Jim, you're really smart, man. I know you're smart. You're smarter than me. Listen, I want some, give me your knowledge. I've got 10 bucks, you know, what's 10 bucks worth? (laughs) We want to go and buy something that somebody else worked for, right? Mark, come on, give me your anointing. Rub it off. I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm, I'm joking here a little bit, but this is what we tend to do. And we belittle, we belittle the value and the potency and the incredible, uh, incredible worth of this anointing oil that he's given us, every one of us, access to. But there's a price we have to pay for it. You just simply can't take it because you're a little bit low. You can't just come to church on Sunday morning and expect to get filled back up no matter what the preacher tells you. You're going to get filled up to some degree. You're going to, have, you're going to get filled up with, with the word of God and the knowledge which helps you. But you're not going to get that anointing oil that I'm talking about. Because there's only one place. And you can't get it from anybody else except the Lord. So now you're saying, where do I get it from? It's kind of like the woman at the well saying, you know, when Jesus is talking about the, not the oil, but he's talking about the water. And what did the woman say? She was, well, tell me where to buy this oil or this water. Where do I get this water from? Jesus was leading, leading her on, right? And he says, right here. You get it right here. Amen? You can't get salvation. It's the same way. The oil comes from the same source as the water. But you can't get the oil until you have the water first. The water being eternal life. Amen? You can't get the oil until you get that. But it comes from the same source. And you can't get it from anyone else. Amen? I can't go to Chris and say, Chris, 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 save me. Save me. Okay? You're saved. Did you feel that? You can't do that. You have to go to the source. You have to go to the source. And the only place... You can get this source, this oil. How many want the oil? You see, now here's another thing in the, in the parable. It talks about there's ten virgins, and they all had oil. Just some had more than others. And so we can read into some of these saying the, the foolish ones, they got their oil. So they knew where to go. There was no excuse. 
Do you see that? There was no excuse. They knew where to get the oil. They were just lazy in going. So now all of a sudden, they want to take the easy way out because all of a sudden, we need it. The time is coming where all of a sudden it's dark and we need the oil. So I'm going to go to the quickest source. Diana, no. (laughs) We go to somewhere else or somebody else to try and get it. But there is no other way. And they know the way, but they just don't want to pay the price for it. Hello? And the the other virgins that had the oil, obviously they knew they had the oil and they were filled. So they must have just come from the vendor. And their oil lamps were full. Even though they were sleeping and drowsy, they were still filled with the anointing and with that oil. And when the foolish virgins came, they were wise and they realized, I can't give it to you because it's illegal. I can't go by, by what my rules are. I have to go by what the blueprints of the kingdom in heaven is because that's what God's called us to do. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It says we take the blueprint that God gave us and we say we follow those rules and, and, and we can't change them. We can't t- take the blueprint and start to change what it looks like or how it works and think it's going to be the same. It can be a cheap replication, but God says there's great consequences to that. Excommunication. He says, anyone who tries to dabble with it or mix with it or even sell it. So those wise virgins, they realized that. They said, "Uh uh-uh. It's not that we don't want to. We can't. You go get your own. You know where to go. You, You know what it costs. Go buy. And here's Jesus at the same time speaking to the church. And he's saying, hey, here I am. Buy from me. This." The store is open. <laughs> Buy from me. Jesus didn't say, hey, come here. I'll give it to you for free. He said, no, you got to pay for it. Buy from me. So that must mean that there is, there is um, currency in heaven to buy these things. We see that throughout the word. It's not something that's free. Salvation is free. Jesus left that to everyone. And it's because there's no other way. He made it free. didn't matter what state you're in. He says, all you have to do is what? Come to me, and I'll give it to you. But the anointing oil, there's another price. There's no other way. So do we want to be the light of the world? Do you want to be the light of the world? Because that's what this is about. It says we're to be the light of the world, and that means we have to have our lamps full and ready because there's, there's a time that comes when the darkness hits and that's when we need the lamp to be filled with oil. And it's at that moment when it's too late to go and buy the oil. And so then he says the only place you can buy it is in the presence of God. In Zechariah chapter 4 and in Revelations chapter 11, he tells us where the oil comes from. In Zechariah chapter 4, he says, he says, the Lord showed him the vision. And he says he saw the Holy of Holies. And he saw the, the two lampstands, golden lampstands, filled with oil. And they were attached, it says, to actually two olive trees, olive branches. And they got their source from that. But 
But the, the place of those lampstands was in the throne room of God. That was the only place you could get that oil. Revelation chapter 11 says the very much the same thing. And he turns around and Zechariah says, not by might, not by power. Basically the same thing. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. doesn't go by works, but by my spirit. And it says we get filled with that oil. So we have to get into the presence of God. That's the only place we can get it. So why do we harp on it? Why do we say you have to press into God? Because that's where the oil is. Now, the other issue that's so important to understand is the purpose of the oil, because that's really what it's all about. The oil is for you, for your lamp, but it's not for you to use on yourself. It's for you to be the light to the darkness. It's for you to anoint those who are sick. It's for you to go out and preach the acceptable year of the Lord and the anointing starts to flow out to the world and it says that's when we walk down the street and our shadow touches the people and it says they're healed. That's when it says we go and we cast out devils. That's what he tells us. He says, he says that's what we're called to do. He says we shall cast out devils. We shall heal the sick. We shall raise the dead. How do we do that? By having our lamp full. How do we get our lamp full? By being in the presence of God. And why do we see so little of this? Because there's so few that are willing to pay the price, the presence of God. And you know what the price is? Our time. Our time. And no one else can, t- can, can do it for us. You can't pay Pastor Mark... Well, you can try. He might take your money. I don't know. <laughs> you can try. And he says, oh, okay, I'll do some prayers for you here. I think I got you covered. Might cost you a little more, though. And I'll, I'll, I'll go there for you, and I'll bring some back and give it to you. Uh-uh. Not only are you in trouble, but so is Pastor Mark. That's why we harp and we say, get into the presence of God. Because there's a day of darkness that's upon us that need the light. Pursue the presence of God. And God, Jesus, and the Father and the Spirit are all yelling, Come! Come on! Now you see, God is a rewarder of those who faithfully serve Him. That's what it says. And He's not a, he's not a man that He should lie. So He says there's a reward. And he, all He's looking for is fellowship. So he's left the door open and he says, come unto me. Come on here. Come up here. Sit with me and fellowship with me. That's what the Lord is looking for is fellowship. He's looking for your time. And when you get there, the reward is the anointing oil. And it's, he fills up your lamp. Oh, before you go, Jim, now you're full. But here's the, the kicker. It's perishable. It's like the manna. Every morning you got to go out and collect it, but if you have any left over, it's rotten and no good for the morning. You got to use it up. It's also meant to be used. It's also meant to be used. That's the purpose of it. So the purpose is I filled you up with oil because there's a lot of people out there that don't know the way to my presence. A lot of my own children 
don't know the way. Or, or they're scared. Or they're full of fear. In fact, when we were doing that, pounding the sticks in that, that moment with the Lord, that was a powerful moment. And I could hear, I could hear this, or see it, or hear it. Fear of man. Fear of man. Within the room here. Fear of man. So there's, there's several, of, several of us, we, we lack, we receive the oil, but we, we, we lack the, the, the desire or the going out and using it and, and using it up because of fear of going out. But that's the whole purpose of it is to be filled with that oil that is the power of God, that is the light of the world, that is the anointing. It says, remember this? It says it anoints others. To go out. So we have the ability with the oil to go and anoint those to go out. But we can't give them the oil to use. We have the ability to use it ourselves. But it's perishable. So if we don't use it up, it goes bad. Or it loses its potency. And it gets, as it gets used up, it has to be replenished. Therefore, you have to go every day. God designed this in a very, very specific way. He designed it in such a way that it's like, it's like candy, enticing children. You know, hey, hey, you know what? You do this. You know, you do this every day. You're going to get this. I mean, God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And he gives it to us every day. But we have to go there every day. Amen? You guys are so blessed because you have a church that understands the way to the presence. Amen? You're very blessed because there's a lot of churches that don't. But that's why he raises up certain individuals, certain churches in the body of Christ because that is their role and their job to go and to show them the way. But if you're not using the oil, there's also a consequence to it. I won't go into that, but there's also another consequence to not being obedient and faithful to what God's given. To whom much is given, much is required. That goes along with another parable. The one, two, and five talents. And sometimes it seems like it's a, it's a, it's, it's so unfair. The one who has gets more and the one who doesn't have, whatever he has is getting taken away. How many think that seems, really sounds unfair? Especially in today's logic. You know, like, that's not fair. I think we should distribute it all evenly. Who cares if, if, if those people worked hard for it? It's the same in the kingdom of God. The reason God says those who have is going to be given more is because God says, I know I can trust them with it. This is the most valuable commodity there is. And I'm not going to give it to somebody else who isn't even using what they already have. Do you see that? So God says, take it. It's free. Get into the presence of God. But then get filled with the Spirit of God. Get filled with that anointing. And then go and start anointing. Start letting the light shine. Do you know when the light starts shining, it uses the oil. So you have to refill. When you anoint others in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you go and you start anointing lands and nations and cities. Have you ever heard of that? Prophetic acts. You're using that anointing oil. And it says whatever you anoint here. It says whatever, whatever utensils. Whatever building you anoint. 
shall be anointed. That's how powerful it is. But then you got to get it refilled. Some things take more oil than others. Some things take more oil than others in, in its use. But the key is go and get refilled. Go back into the presence of God. Oil it's, is meant to fill up our lamp, which is used to give light. We see that the Sermon on the Mount says, You are the light of the world, and a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, it says, Let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We have a problem in the church, people. We have the oil. Some of us have oil, but then we hide it, and we don't use it. And it does get burned up because it's still shining. The light's still shining, whether it's under the bushel or outside of it, right? But it's going into those places, out into the world. It's going out even when you're scared, even when you're afraid, but understand the power of the oil. Understand the power of the anointing that's in you. Even in fear and trembling, we go out. I still get scared. I still get scared to go and witness. And I do it for a living. It's my job. And I still go out every day. And I still, but what if they don't want it? I'm not, I'm just being honest. I still feel that way. But I say, well, it's not about me. The oil's not for me. So I'm just going to give it out. And it's amazing. Same thing happens every time. They get healed. They get delivered. They cast, devils start coming out. I love casting out devils. That's just fun, Right? It's just fun. Sometimes praying for the sick isn't fun. Because they sometimes grumble and complain or whatever. But, but casting out devils is just fun. You know, it's just, just kicking the devil in the, in the head, you know. And it's like, ha, 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 it's fun. You know? But you got to go out and do it. And it's amazing how it works. You get scared. You get nervous about going out to evangelize. To going out into the world, letting your light shine. Even though we know we've got it, even though we know the power, even though we know all of the rules and the regulations and all of the, the, the commandments, and yet we still get scared, but the same thing happens every time people get saved. What's with that? It's like, I think God had something here. They get healed. Wow. Why don't people get healed here anymore? Because no one's going out with the anointing oil. You shall lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Through the foolishness of preaching, people come to Christ. But we still have to get into the presence of God for that to happen. It's meant to be a perfume. It's a sweet aroma to the Father. So when we come into the presence of the Lord, it's also a sweet aroma to Him. And it's a beautiful thing, and He keeps filling us up. So it's also a ministry unto the Father. These are the purposes and the uses of what that oil is all about. It's meant to give us authority and power. So now what do we make of all this? What do we do with this? It's like the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Follow the blueprint. Amen? Follow the blueprint. God gave us this order for a very clear reason. So summing up. We are called as priests of Almighty God. How many here are priests? It says we are a kingdom of priests. It says if you've been bought by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, you've come into a priesthood. 
See, now the other analogy that I didn't really read and stuff, but it says the anointing oil, it says it's really referring only to the priests. Only to the high priest could go in and do this. But now we have been made by the blood of the lamb to be kings and priests for his service. And so now he's given us this access to the holy of holies and this access to the most, one of these most precious commodities in the universe, that anointing oil for us to use. Wow. All in the name of Jesus. It says, give and it will be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. If you don't empty your lamp, you can't receive the new. Hello? So free to give. You free to give, you freely receive. If you give reluctantly, you receive reluctantly. If you don't give, it's not given back to you. Those are the kingdom principles of, the, of God's blueprint. So he says, you go, you give, and then you come back for more. And I freely give it. That's the price we pay, is going into his presence. It's not an easy gift. It's not, it sounds easy, but it's not. The sacrifice of our time. The sacrifice of our will. Because that's what it really takes. Is, it says, it goes hand in hand. Your kingdom come, your will be done. You don't separate those two. They go hand in hand. So he says, your kingdom come, Lord. Let it come. But according to your purpose, according to your will, how you want. And we go out and we do it. That's the price we pay for the anointing oil. God designed it in such a way that when we, to receive the oil, we have to give it away. And he compels us to come back. So that leaves us, the end result here is this tragedy that happened in Guatemala. I found myself being drained, my wife being drained. And I mean, just going into the shelters, listening and talking and praying with these victims. These, I mean horrendous stories I've never heard. We've been in so many disasters and tragedies over the 25 years of being in Central America. We've been through everything, honestly. And, and they're all bad. There's also all death, but this is the worst I've seen in how. And it's draining. And if you find yourself, I sit for five minutes, just start to think about it, and I start to, you lose, you lose your emotions. But all of a sudden, I'm reminded there's a place I can get refilled because I've just used my, my lamp up. I just used up the oil in five minutes. I need, I need a refreshing. And he says, there's a place. And there's no limits to how many times you can go in. It's not like you have a, 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 a pass where he ticks it off. Sorry, your limit's done. Seven times a week and that's it. No more. No, it's a limitless pass. So I, find myself, I found myself this last week just steadily going to the presence of God. Okay, God, I'm here again. You know, I'm bugging you here again, God. <laughs> and he fills me up again. Amen? And it's in these times is when we need it. We went, we saw some stories. I'm going to just share, if you can show that little video, just a three-minute video. It kind of sums up some of the things that happened. And, and then I'm going to share one or two quick stories and then we're done. Like 1.7 to 2 million people were affected. 
So it was pretty serious. Um, but that's when the kingdom of God and the church rises with the anointing oil. You know, without the oil, works is just an unsanctified work. That's all it is. That's temporal, and it only does a bit. But when we do the good works with the anointing oil, and in the name of Jesus, it's an eternal thing. And it brings the light, and it brings the life back to the, from death. That's what it's called to. We saw countless people. I, I want to share a couple real quick because uh, there's some uh, that are quite amazing. We, we, we talked to families that literally watched their families burn. They, nothing they could do. This one mother with her daughter, the lights went out. They heard a boom. Lights went out in their house. They were in uh, El Rodeo, and they went outside to see what happened, and there's this giant cloud. 10,000 feet tall of a pyroclastic flow coming at them. And they, they couldn't even get back inside. They had 13 family members. It was after church. And they were in their house. 13 others. And the mother and the daughter, all they could do, they didn't even have time to go back into the house. And they just were, were, had to flee as fast as they could. And they watched their family get swept away in the, in the, in the lava flow. Other families watched just come down and Nothing they could do. There's nothing you can do. So those are the tragedies and the, the uh, things that we have to deal with, our staff and others, other ministries like Matt and Carrie. And, I mean, there's so many that are all coming together, working and helping, right? The world comes and helps for a month, and they leave. But we're called to stay and remain, and that's when the kingdom is established and built. And that's, what we're, that's basically what we're doing. And then, then there's also incredible stories of you see how God's salvation. There's this one I just heard about yesterday. I was just told about yesterday. There was this one young man, 30, about 30-some 30 years old. He had a family. And in, in uh, uh, San Miguel, Los Solotes, another one of the villages, seven villages were now basically uh, uh, destroyed. But he was, his house was in the middle of San Miguel. And it's about 1,200, 1,500 people or so. And his house was right in the middle of it. And yet, it's standing and there's no ash in the house. And so the, the, the media went to find him, or the owner, and they found him. He was out in his family and they were all perfectly fine. And they couldn't figure out, how, how did you escape? Because everyone else around you died. All the other homes were literally covered right up to the roof of, of, of their house with ash. And we're talking 700 to 1,300 degrees centigrade, um, that ash that came down and burned everything. And yet their house is standing perfect and not affected. And it, this is, the, how can it be? And he says, he says, when they saw it, he says, I started to cry out to the Lord. And he says, all of a sudden, this huge wind started to come and, and just blew around the house. And none of the ash, or, and it just like went around our house. And then all of a sudden, a light came from, like, we could see sky, because everything went black. It was like midnight, at the, you know. Everything went black. And he says, but we could see a light, and we just ran out through where we could see, and we were, and we were fine. And his house is still there standing. So there's those incredible miracle stories. And, and, and he's being interviewed by the media, 
And, and, and they asked him, well, said, well, how do you feel about this? And he, he said, I don't know. I don't know why or how. Why me and not others? It's hard to understand. But he, I do know this. He says he cried unto the Lord. And God spared him. But I believe that's what we're called for, is to be that. That's that, that lifeboat for those in times of need. It's the time when we can shine the brightest. Bless you all.